Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Your book's journey isn't over after it's been launched. Nope, it's got a whole lifetime ahead of itself. And so while I'm leading you through writing and launching a best-selling book, I'm also showing you how to make that book work for you for the rest of your career and your life. Welcome to Launch Your Book with Anna David. Hey guys, welcome to Launch Your Book with Anna David. I'm guess who? Anna David. I'm a New York Times bestselling author of eight books, as well as a publisher at Launchpad Publishing. And today I am talking to somebody. This is, yes, we are talking about launching a book, but we are talking about so much more. And that is because today's guest is Jesse Krieger, and he is the founder and CEO of Lifestyle Entrepreneurs Press.com. God, do they publish a lot of books, a hundred plus books over the past six years. And what we talked about specifically is this new kind of, let's call it the Kickstarter model, where you, the author, doesn't pay for the publishing fees up front, but instead you do a crowdfunding campaign with their help uh, to cover that. So that's why the company's focus is how to make $10,000 before your book even hits the shelves. He also talks about other launch tips, like how does YouTube play into a book launch? How can you actually get excerpts of your book on the NewYorkTimes.com website and so much more? So with that, I give you Jesse Krieger. Okay, so Jesse, making $10,000 in order to publish a book before you've even published sounds like a pretty good deal. So tell me about this. Sure. Uh, essentially, what, we're, what we've been doing since the end of last year, kind of in a response to everything that happened last year generally, was to have a crowdfunding approach uh, to our publishing partnership instead of paying in directly. So yeah. we have a crowdfunding platform um, that we use. And the approach is basically, you know, from day one, we're talking about what are the business offerings? What are the other products and services and experience that complement your book or your book idea? And then packaging those up, say, for $100, you'll get two books plus X. For $250, maybe you get a one-on-one -on -one phone consult. For $500, maybe a training program. For $1,000, maybe a month of group coaching support. Whatever those stacked offers are at different price points, that's what we communicate out when, we're, when the author's announcing their book. Hey, my okay. book is coming. I'm so excited to share it with you. And here's some fun ways to play and some special bonuses that are time sensitive. So that's kind of the overall approach. And the way we approach that within, you know, that, that setup is looking at what are, what is the money math basically? So like applying the prices and saying there's only three of this one available, 10 of this one, and 
maybe just one special high-end package to correspond with how they want their business to grow and what kind of clients they want to enroll. So when we start with that conversation, then it's like strategic from day one. And uh, and then away we go. So it's just basically Kickstarter meets uh, hybrid publishing. Yeah, you could you could look at it that way for sure. So somebody, so somebody who's say listening and wants to publish a book, uh, h- how does it work? Do they apply for one of these slots with you? How how does that work? Essentially, yeah, um, we have a whole submission process on our site, which describes our whole publishing process. But then there's an invitation to submit some information, your idea, a few other questions. Um, And then someone on my team or myself will have a call to explore. If we both feel it's a good fit, then we'll send over a publishing agreement. If there's any questions, we'll do that. But then when we sign, then that's the on-ramp. So there's no, you know, we hand select each author that we work with. There's no way that someone can just sign up online and now we're publishing them. So there's a, an application and a conversation process. But then when we join forces, we're there to do whatever we can to support uh, the author and their book. Is it nonfiction only? I used to sign a few fiction authors a year, and I love a good story. And yet, fiction is so different than yeah. nonfiction. So, you know, 85, 90% nonfiction at this point, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, as a former novelist who realized there was no uh, there was no business to build around a novel, I I quickly switched gears myself. I mean, I I have enjoyed having creative conversations for like how could we create bundles for a fiction book? We've done name a character, you know, for like a thousand dollars or maybe two thousand, you know, decide on a plot or like a plot twist. So there's some ways that you could like incorporate people that are book specific, but yeah, it's a little different to be like, buy my book and join my writing workshop or like pre-order my book and, you know, write your own fiction book. It's not as aligned of of an offer set versus a nonfiction book by somebody who runs a business where the book is, is sort of intended to be a business asset for them. So is it for people who have not who have not yet started writing their books and have finished their books? What's your preference in terms of clients? That's a great question. I mean, the best case scenario is somebody's got either a working draft or like a first draft of a manuscript. That would be the sweet spot for where we connect. Although admittedly, with the crowdfunding approach, it allows us to support people at an earlier stage. So if we feel there's a good fit, it's clear that this is a top priority for them and there isn't a manuscript written, we can sign and start our crowdfunding approach just knowing that somewhere in there, we got to block out three to six months for content creation time, Mm -hmm. which in turn makes it a longer engagement. So I'd say it's a mix. Like I won't Mm -hmm. sign every author with no book and I like working with some authors that don't have their book. Well, an author that's got, you know, version one of their book done, we can jump into a different part of the conversation, online brand development, launch strategy, things like that. And I just look at it as this whole timeline and where are we starting, right? Mm -hmm. Over here is I want to write a book. I haven't written a word. And over here is like published bestselling author. Uh, So where do we jump in? And that's going to be specific to each author. 
and roughly what percentage of people apply versus how many you can accept? It's a great question. We publish about 45, 50 books per year. So we're signing approximately that many authors per year. Um, and majority of our authors come from referrals, uh, a few great channel partners, where like kind of like people like yourself that also work with authors in some capacity. And referrals from authors are, are generally the best. We do get a few like just unsolicited submissions or or also we'll get a handful of people that like, you know, may have seen or followed our work for some time, but now it's the right time for them to reach out. So that's kind of the thing with like publishing, as I'm sure you know, it's a long timeline. And if you're in the process, there's always something happening. Um, yeah. And so tell me about switching to this model or really prioritizing this model, because you still do the other model, correct? Where, where somebody could just come and pay a fee. Yeah, for, for many years, for five years or so, we had a, a gradually increasing price for our done-for-you publishing service, which is still our our core service. It's a, the only way we work with authors is all-inclusive support. And it's kind of the only... I made a decision. I, that's the only way I want to play. I don't want to be like, hire us to do your launch or hire our editing team to finish your book. It's either we're partnered up and we'll support with everything um, or access some free training and things that I've put out, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I've questioned if that was the smartest way to build a business, but it does put a limiter on working with people where we do think you know it's going to be a good mutual fit and and that we're both coming into it looking for victory. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I hope that answers your question, but we probably get um, maybe anywhere from two to three times the interest versus the, the deals we sign. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's in terms of like people I'll have a conversation with, be like, this sounds good. And then and we never actually sign. And then there's probably some additional interest where it doesn't really warrant like, you know, a full call and exploration. So, so, um, let me ask you, since the podcast does focus on launches, what, what is what of the keys to a successful launch? What do you think are the most important things when it comes to launching a book successfully? Yes. So let's assume for a moment that we're doing published or hybrid publishing, because what I'll share now doesn't really work for self-publishing. Mm -hmm. um, but if, if you've got a publisher or a hybrid and you have a future release date, so much of the game is played in driving pre-sales of the book maybe three months out from the release. And so what that accomplishes is for every book somebody buys two, three months out from the launch, that can turn into four or five book orders from the same retailer. So just like in the beginning where we're doing a crowdfunding campaign, we're bundling up their offers. As we're moving closer to the release, we're thinking, are those offers still relevant or do we put something else together? But now we're saying, go here and buy 10 books, go, go to Amazon, go to Barnes and Noble and pre-order 25 books to get access to this bonus. So what we're doing is we're intentionally driving people th to retail to hopefully purchase more than one book at a time. Can, and can I, that in turn, sure that in turn, I can share is getting us four to five X multiple. So if we pre-sell a thousand books, 
that could be a four or 5,000 book order from the retailer. And of course, those are subject to returns if they don't sell through, but that's, you're talking about launching, that's a good strategy into launch to boost interest, to boost demand, get more buy-in from retail. So here's what's interesting. I have found the opposite to be true. So back when I first, my first book came out from Harper in 2005, pre-sales were everything, but that was really about hitting the New York Times list. And now I have found whenever we do pre-sales, it because the majority, like 85% of our sales are happening over Amazon, it basically, they don't get the love from the Amazon algorithm. And so it actually hurts things. But I think the difference is that you have a system set up where you can really control bulk orders because selling a thousand books ahead of a release is a lot of books. I don't think people understand how hard that is to do. I agree with that a hundred percent. And if you can sell like a, a thousand books before your book comes out, you're sitting pretty good. Like oh, yeah. that's an accomplishment and it's worth being proud of. Um, I think the thing is like with self-publishing, Amazon knows they can print any number of books, right? Whereas through our distribution partner, through Ingram, that's the only place they can get our books. So if people are pre-ordering, they're I, this is what I think is happening. Their algorithm and ordering managers are like, wow, people are ordering 100 books a week for six weeks on end. We better stock up for the next few months. And that's where that bump comes from. Whereas like with self-publishing, if there's a big spike, then they'll just print and ship more books. But there's not like this multiple in terms of how many do they want to order to have on hand and and. But Ingram and once and they have them on hand, they want to sell them too, right? Amazon w- would rather sell them than return them. Yeah. So, but Ingram does print on demand as well. Yeah, they have a print on demand solution, uh, and um, that's available. But for the best pricing, we'll do short, like print runs of. So that that's the other piece. Yeah. If we do a pre-launch campaign, we want to drive the pre-sales, see what the actual order number is, and then print a little bit more. That's how we're going to get our best price per book. And it can be substantial compared to print on demand in terms of like the cost savings. And so so what is a successful launch to you? Is it about sales? Is it about media? What is what is successful launch mean to you? I think every author wants to check the box that they are a bestseller. So we'll have one one focus on how do we just hit bestseller on Amazon so that we've got that accomplished. But once that's accomplished, like, okay, great, that may or may not be the most financially lucrative thing. So we're really looking at, like, how do we have a strategy to sell books ongoing for weeks and months after the release? Mm-hmm. And, and if we have that in place, plus a good run-up, then that's just a great recipe for success. Um, I would say if we sell, if we, if we, get, if we ship 1,000 copies of a book, before launch, then that's decent. That's decent. That's like pretty good, right? But if we're doing like 2,500, 5,000 units, then I feel like we're coming out of the gate really strong. Oh, yeah. And we've got a book coming out now where we're shipping like close to 10,000 units before release. And that's starting to get up there just in terms of like um, overall cost for inventory, but also like 10,000 books is physically a lot of books. So there's more things moving around than How are the, you the able to do days. that? 
that's just through like an advanced team kind of? Well, we have a partnership with Ingram. Uh, Ingram Publisher Services uh, is connected to their whole printing operation. So it covers printing, warehouse distribution, and retail sales. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, so so that's the answer of like how we're doing it. No books pass through this office where I'm sitting unless I right. want them for the bookshelf. So it's not right. like anyone on a, on our team is handling fulfillment, but rather it's all directed through Ingram for print, and then digital audio, of course, doesn't require inventory. But I mean, to to get ten thousand dollars worth of pre-orders, what happened that that book is able to get? Oh, that? yes. Well, the, a few things that work consistently well. If somebody has like a YouTube channel and a pretty engaged audience, or a podcast with an engaged audience, those are super effective in my opinion because they're long-form content. Mm-hmm. If somebody's listening to an hour podcast, they're likely to spend a few hours reading a book. Someone's watching 45-minute YouTube videos on a topic, they'd probably be interested in reading a book. Whereas like, if someone's got a huge Twitter audience or TikTok, that may not translate at all to like mm-hmm. book interest. So accordingly, our podcast host authors and the, a handful of YouTube uh, channel authors that we have do well because once we have that campaign we're talking about, first line of the description is pre-order my book here. And then all the people that are coming to that video, there's a clear call to action in, mm. in multiple places for the campaign. So so we'll embed, like we'll get the campaign, like what are the offers? Let's put them on a page and get that so that we've got like, you know, if the book is Thrive State, thrivestatebook.com. And then that goes in the videos, that goes in social. And that can go for existing videos or make new ones or insert a 30-second mention in every podcast episode and then maybe do a couple dedicated episodes. And so there's a bunch of ways, and these are just two examples with YouTube and podcasts, but within those channel focuses, there's strategies to just get it really visible, right? Mm -hmm. It's one thing if you do one episode of the podcast, like here's my whole story behind writing this book. It's another if, you know, there's a 30 or 60 second spot once or twice in every episode that really sells the value of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that pulse does translate into ongoing book sales, which is great. One other, one other, or go ahead. No, well, no. So this person that with the 10,000 um, sales, is that someone with a huge podcast and YouTube following or is it somebody? I can shout out. It's, it's, it's Dr. Mindy Peltz. Uh, the book is The Menopause Reset. And she has like a quarter million YouTube subscribers. And she's that's her her channel. Like people yeah. creates videos. She talks about hormones, talks about fasting and certain people love it. So yeah. So every new video, it's the amazing thing with YouTube, especially is like every new video goes out to your whole subscriber base and starts to build lifetime views that can go on and on and on. So that's genius. Yeah. Especially embedding 30 second ads basically into a podcast, because I think people don't think of that. They think, oh, I could do an excerpt of my audio book. And you're right. That's one time versus it going into all your back episodes and all the places people are going to be exposed to you. So tell me more. What were your other ideas? <laughs> sure. 
Same idea with YouTube. You can have little popover links. You can have an end screen link. So just thinking of where can you get real estate or visibility for your book in the context of what you're already doing. Another great strategy that we've played with is summits. Um, we have an author who wrote a memoir called The Quest, From the Hollywood Hills to the Amazon Jungle, One Woman's Search for Enough. Woo. And so she did The Quest for Love Summit. And so two and a half months before launch, had two dozen speakers, love experts, health um, relationship experts, dating coaches, and you know the whole summit model, but the call to action was pre-order three copies of the quest to get lifetime access to all the videos plus some special bonuses. So now you've got hundreds of people signing up for the summit, thousands of people seeing it, and and the call to action that's repeated over and over is buy three copy pre-order three copies of the book. So when we tried that, that was when I first realized, all right, there's something to this, like methodically driving a bunch of sales and then seeing how big of a delta we can capture from retail. And yeah. it's it's working with mixed results. Like I want a little more time to go by before we see, are these selling through or do we get returns? But it's so far working great to really come out of the gate strong. And that's it's something so everybody listening can can take away from this is so much of the game is played in the couple months before your book comes out. I mean, yes. And then, but there is also, okay, so let me ask you this. So is the focus then on retailers and less on Amazon for you? Well, I'm including Amazon when I say As retailers. As a retailer, yeah. Um, and they're, they're like 50% of the business. Um, they're like 50% of all book sales. So it's a lot. Um, there's never been a situation where one, you know, retailer has that much market power in the book industry. And yet they started as a bookseller. So they know what's up in terms of selling books. Um, and they're really good at it. So, you know, Amazon's a lot of things to a lot of people. And I just say, we sell a lot of books with them. (laughs) (laughs) So, so what else, what, once the book is out, uh, how does somebody keep the, uh, the energy and the longevity? Yeah. Great. uh, Great question. So my view is you've written 150, 200 plus pages of content. You don't need to create a bunch of new marketing assets. So then we're looking at how do we turn the book content into all sorts of different shapes and forms so that that becomes a good part of the marketing post-launch. So what could that look like? That could be having an email sequence that unpacks the first three chapters and driving people to that. So they're getting the book, they're starting to read it. And then in that email sequence, hey, you're liking this, go get a full copy of the book. So we try and create a bridge from like, people at large to awareness of the book to I want the book and then make it easy to get the book. Um, But that could be, uh, we've had, you know, with YouTube, you could create a whole playlist or literally read the whole book on video with little asides and make each chapter a video. And we have one author, uh, Dane Maxwell, Start From Zero, who literally made videos of every chapter of the book. And now that all lives on YouTube. Now, some people may think you're giving your whole book away. Yeah, in a sense, but not in one place at one time. If somebody watches 30 videos, then they've effectively gotten all the content of the book. 
or you watch three and you're like, this is great. Let me just buy the damn book. So yeah. it's leading with the content. It's it, from my view, it's really about getting people to engage with the content instead of trying to hit them with a creative marketing message. Mm-hmm. And in other words, the marketing message is extracted from the content. And then if they like it, make it easy for them to, to buy it and engage further. So that's like the thought process around it. And that can take shape in a lot of different ways. And on that note, I noticed on your website, you sell books from the public, from the Lifestyle Entrepreneurs Press website. So tell me about that. So, but, so that's all distributed through, through Ingram or is it eBooks only? I was interested in that. This is a good eye. This is a new direction. We're just, we just recently made our shop live. We're in the process of transitioning to direct sales, digital first, adding audiobooks, and then we'll, we'll start selling print directly too. That one is a little more of a logistical thing. Um, but quite frankly, look, it's worth it because we give up so much margin through retail. And that's not a slight against any retailer or distributor, uh, but it just gives up so much. So I want to at least have some of our marketing, go for direct book sales, build our own house list of book lovers and uh, and people that like our type of books, and still show love to retail to get their support. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's the 360 degree picture. Um, I don't want to only sell direct and pull out a retail, and I don't want to send every customer to retail and not get the customer information and lose the margin. So it's always a balance. <laughs> And so what else? So I love this. So, you know, recording videos, uh, emails, I'm sure blog posts. What are some other ways people, authors can take their content and, and th- th- that already exists from their book and use it? Well, here's one idea that anybody can use. Um, there's, you know, if you do some content marketing, like we were talking about, but use a service like Taboola or Outbrain, what you can do is create, like, let's say for the menopause reset, um, if she was going to do content marketing, I would say, you know, the three things every woman over 40 must do to, to make menopause easier. Let's call that an article. And then let's either take an excerpt of the book or repurpose 700 to 1000 words. Um, and then have a link, a nice link to the book within that blog post. And then once that's published, put it in Taboola, put it in Outbrain, only have it be visible to women over 40 in the United States. And now when you're reading New York Times, at the end, it says sponsored posts or whatever. Most people don't even know it says sponsored posts. They just see additional articles. Oh, what's the three things every woman over 40 must know to make menopause easier? So now you can embed your content in New York Times, Wall Street Journal, wherever people are reading through. Yes through this. And then, and then it is content. So they're coming, they're reading a thousand words. And if they like that, then they buy the book. So I guess I would say that having a content experience in between the marketing message and the offer helps for authors. If you're just like, here's this thing, buy my book and it points to Amazon. Sure. You could get some sales, but if it's like, here, this thing, learn more. Now you've got something really valuable that you can use and you can get even more in the book then I just find that that converts better. And it's really, you know, in the reader's benefit and the author's, but to lead with some of the useful information that is in the book. 
I mean, that's genius. The thing about Taboo, I've never heard somebody bring that up as a way to promote content in a book. It's literally, you know, authors will, tr- will submit to various websites and it's like, no, you can get on NewYorkTimes.com very easily. And I mean, it's not very expensive money. to is run. It not? I always assumed Taboola and all of those things were expensive. I mean, I, well, I would start with like, you know, throw maybe a few hundred bucks at it to test, but you don't have to come out of the gate like committing thousands of dollars to to dip your toe in that kind of content marketing. Um, and we're just, we're ramping this up too. So this is kind of like. Fresh, hot off the press. That's why you haven't heard it from anybody. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We're getting all your secrets. I hope you guys are taking notes on this. And I also hope, you know, because it's such an awesome, I mean, Jesse did say a lot of it comes from referrals, but if you listen to this podcast and you reach out to them, it's kind of a referral, Jesse, is it not? It is. uh, Special. What I preach, you know, we said long form content is great for book buyers, it's also great for potential authors. Someone listens to me and us talk for an hour about publishing or however long, and then they're like, you know what, I really like that guy's perspective. And then they do some research and eventually reach out. That is, this is a part of our marketing funnel. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. So um, what have you seen books do for people's careers? I personally believe, and I truly do believe that a book is one of the best business development decisions that you can make Um, as a business owner, as a health and wellness expert or a doctor, as a spiritual leader or someone in personal development. It's your chance to put your process down in a form that can that can reach many, many people. Um, And you can't say that about too many other types of content like. So in a sense, a book allows you to position yourself to attract the perfect clients. Like if somebody reads 180 pages of your best ideas, stories, and shares, you're like head and shoulders above someone else that's just saying, hey, here's my business, hire us. Um, it, It gives, in other words, it gives people a chance to really get to know you and for you to control the message on what you want to share. And that's a powerful thing. Um, couple that with like, if you do the audio book and now somebody's got you in their head for hours sharing your best ideas, it's even more powerful, right? So it can, it can be a great pre-qualifier for clients. Um, it can be a great way for partners to engage and support, like engaging someone to mail to their audience about your book. And then from that, get clients or build your audience. Um, it can be a great way to boost or kick off a speaking career. Uh, anybody that wants to speak, the, one of the first questions they'll ask is, have you written a book or how many books? And so having a book to get set up for speaking gigs, it's kind of a slam dunk because you literally wrote the book on it. And same thing with um, you know, forming partnerships with organizations, institutions, nonprofits, you can think about who's in your industry and then offer them a copy of the book, ask if you can jump on a call and explore collaboration, and then who knows you know, where that can lead. But it's, it's really a door opener. It's a positioning tool. Um, it, it gets you on media mm-hmm. much easier, I think, if, or you tell me, but if someone pitches you and they're like, they're the best-selling author of this, and you do like 20 seconds of research, like they are a best-selling author. So they're an expert on that topic. Let's bring them yeah, on. Absolutely. 
And yeah, I mean, I always tell students and clients this, get on Harrow, help a reporter out. If you've written a book, you are an expert. You are doing a journalist a favor by offering your expertise. Because if you're writing 200 pages on something, let's hope you're an expert or you're going to be an expert by the time you're done, right? I, <laughs> I would concur wholeheartedly. You would concur. So, but that's why they call it help a reporter out. You're hooking them up if you're if you're pitching, you know, yourself as an expert for their storylines. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, and I also always tell people that if you've got a message uh, that's going to help people forget, oh, I'm uncomfortable with self-promotion. You're actually doing a disservice to people by not sharing about your book. So it's not it's it's like we've got it all wrong. It's not self-obsessed. You're actually being of service. Can if I you got something that for a minute, please. I hear so many times that who am I to question? And I love acronyms too. So I said, who am I to? W-A-I-T. It's the waiting game. Who am I to write a book? Who am I to share my story? Who am I to take a position on a topic? Waiting, waiting, waiting. If you invert that and say, who can I serve? Who needs to hear this message right now? And whose life can I positively impact by pushing this out? It gets you out of your own head. Jesse, I hope you trademark that because I will. I'm kidding. I'm not. We don't, we don't, we don't steal each other's ideas around here, but that's so good. You're welcome to use it if it helps. Just don't. Uh, I'll credit you. I'll credit you. Um, well, and so we have to wrap up. This has been totally delightful. What would you like to leave listeners uh as a final message? And how can people reach you? Well, two things. Like if you're listening to this, thinking about how to launch your book. I would encourage you put as much intention and energy into the launch as you have into the writing and creation. In other words, don't sell yourself short right before the finish line slash starting line. Um, and the other piece is, you know, make connections with other authors and people in the space. Like if you've gone through the whole process of writing a book, let it do some work for you by opening doors and, and connecting with people you might not have otherwise made connections with. Um, I'm easy to find lifestyle entrepreneurs, press.com, Jesse Krieger, and would look forward to connecting with you. If you resonate with our approach to publishing. Awesome. Thank you, Jesse. And thanks you all for listening. I will talk to you next week. Thanks for joining me this week on launch your book with Anna David. For more info about the show, go to launch your where you can get show notes and so much more. If you got anything out of this episode, I can't tell you how much I would appreciate a review. And don't forget, my company, Launchpad Publishing, is here to help you at any stage in your writing and publishing journey. Just go to launchpadpub.com for more and be sure to tune in next week for next week's episode.